Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. A time in your life when you could have or probably should have died. Okay, bunch of hands. Uh, I would love the opportunity just to kind of sit around and hear stories. It's always fascinating to hear the events that happen in someone's life. I know for me, uh, there have been some significant events where uh, very well could have died. When I was in middle school, I broke my back playing football and was paralyzed temporarily. And that was a situation where just a little bit more could have been deadly. Uh, I was in a really bad car crash, could have been really tragic when I was in high school. And then a couple years ago, I went through a season with cancer. And so in each of these situations, there is this realization of I could be dead. And then on the other side of it, There's a way in which things change. For you, when you've been in, maybe it was like you were in a car wreck or some situation and you survived, what does that feel like? Relief? Yeah? How does maybe a situation where, you know, things could have gone one direction and they don't, you were really concerned that they might, uh, and and then they, you know, don't go that direction how do you feel coming out of that? Safe? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a way in which your perspective changes. And I think for me, after the most recent situation, coming out of that, the things that used to seem really big and significant were small. The things that I worried about, uh, the things that I just was so focused on, became smaller, and then other things became bigger, things like being with my family, you know, my relationship with God, these things that that became far more significant in comparison. Uh, A word that could be used to describe that is glory. And again, as we're going through the sermon series, Glory Revealed, there are certain things that were glorious. They were weighty. So the word glory in Hebrew is kabod, and it means weighty or significant and that weight was now on other things. And, and again, the things that I had worried about, the things that I was so focused on, they just weren't as weighty. They just weren't as significant. I, I wasn't as focused on those things. And yet over time, what begins to happen? For me, my perspective began to shift. And the things that had seemed so small that I just, I wasn't worried about. I was carefree in all these ways. Suddenly, I began to worry a little bit more about some of those things or be a little more anxious over sudden the, some of those things. They became more glorious. And, and that's, that's the problem is that, that we lose that perspective. And, and what I want us to see as we're considering this passage in John chapter 12, that there, there are certain things that actually are glorious and there are other things that appear glorious. The difference is our perception. 
So there are certain realities, and the ultimate one is God, that are truly glorious, that should be seen, and if we could see rightly, would be seen as glorious. And there are other things that we can perceive or that seem like they're heavy, they're glorious. And this is at the heart of the Hebrew Scriptures in Genesis when there's a description of of what went wrong with the world. It's the fact that humanity can be deceived and were deceived into thinking that something that wasn't glorious was, namely an aspect of creation. And and Paul kind of preaches this message in Romans 1. And what should be and actually is seen as glorious wasn't, and that is the creator. And so Paul says the perception was that the creation was bigger, more glorious, more weighty than the creator. And, And that's a problem. That's the ultimate problem with humanity. That perception that what we should see as glorious isn't and what we should not see comparatively as being as big, as weighty is. And so what we have to consider is is that Jesus comes to reveal to us the truth. He says that he has come to reveal the truth and the truth does what? Sets you free. It sets you free because there's a bondage that comes from being deceived and this this glory blindedness, this this wrong perception. It, it, it is incredibly destructive and damaging. Uh, Dallas Willard writes in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, about a pilot. And he says, recently a pilot was practicing high-speed maneuvers in a jet fighter. She turned the controls for what she thought was a steep ascent and flew straight into the ground. She was unaware that she had been flying upside down. This is a parable of human existence in our times. Not exactly that everyone is crashing, though there is enough of that. But most of us as individuals and world society as a whole live at a high speed and often with no clue to whether we are flying upside down or right side up. Indeed, we are haunted by a strong suspicion that there may be no difference or at least that it is unknown or irrelevant. Now, it's been a while since Willard has written this. I would say that this is more the case now even than it has been in the past that that society, as he describes it, is flying upside down. That there is this trajectory where people are crashing and he says, not everybody, but it's, but it's a consistent problem. It's, it's a danger. And so it's not irrelevant. And, and it, it does make a difference whether or not you're flying right side up, whether or not your perception is right, whether or not the things that, that should be seen as glorious are those things that you perceive as glorious. And so there is an importance to this. Again, that's essential because, because the world as it is, and the world is different from the earth. Just to jump back several weeks, we talked about this. The world in the Bible is not the created earth. The world is a system that is infected. It's a cancer that has infected humanity, and it's a way of seeing reality. It's a way of seeing reality, and it is upside down, right? The kingdom of God, which Jesus comes to reveal, is seeking to turn the world right side up. 
And so the way the world sees glory is, is exactly the inverse, once again, of, of how it should be. And so, so we, what Jesus comes is he invites us into a different reality. That's at the, he's inviting us into the reality of the kingdom of God, which sees ultimately what's not seen. It, it sees a greater reality that is enveloping and even overtaking the kingdom of this world. This is what Jesus comes to bring. And so we, in order to, to experience that and to be set free from the danger that comes from being blinded to that, we have to have the right view of glory. What's glorious? And so your view of glory, first we're going to see, determines your vision. Your view of glory determines your vision. Now, the passage that we're looking at in John chapter 12 comes off of what, what we have called the Palm Sunday passage when Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem and he's coming into the city to celebrate a festival. What festival is that? The Passover. And this is kind of the epicenter of the celebration of the people of God, the the Israelites being set free from slavery in Egypt. And there's this slaughtering of a Passover lamb and the, the, the celebration that comes from the freedom that God has called his people into. And this, this was essential in, in seeing reality according to a certain lens, that they saw who they were and who God was and who he was calling them to be in accordance with this, that they were those who were enslaved, but that had been set free by God to be his people. And so this celebration is at the the center of this chapter of John chapter 12. So we're picking up in verse 20. Now, some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. Now, this is something that, that should stand up to us because the people who could actually be part of the Passover, of eating the Passover Seder and eating the lamb, were who? The Jews. So Greeks could not partake in that same way, but we know that there were these Gentile God-fearers who would come and and observe and, and participate and be part in this way. So they came up, and they happened to come up at a time when Jesus is making this dramatic entrance, and they're waving palm branches, and they're laying their coats down, and they're shouting, Hosanna. And so into this, they come up to Philip, who is from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. They are these representatives. Again, so Jesus has already been celebrated and, and lifted up and praised by the Jews. And now there's these representatives of the world, these Gentiles that are coming to him. Now here's where we have to see a, a divergent path that Jesus is not focused on the celebration of people. There's a, there's a view of glory, of what's weighty, of what's significant, that's, that's tied with this world, and it is tied with the expectations that people had of Jesus, that he was going to be what kind of a leader? Human and political, right? That he was going to represent power and that he would conquer the enemies. And this is not... While it's what they're expecting, this is not actually who Jesus is coming to be. So a background text that is is being referenced through John chapter 12 is from Isaiah. And if the people of God had known this scripture and had seen it rightly, they would have understood the difference 
between their perception of the glory Jesus was coming to bring and who he actually was. So Isaiah 52, 53, verse 2, we read, He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have any impressive form or majesty that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. So from an earthly standpoint, from the way the world sees things, he's not desirable, he's not attractive he was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. This is what they missed is this is the Messiah that Jesus was coming to be. Not one who represented the way the world sees glory and attractiveness and desirability, which in the Old Testament is like who? Saul, right? He's the one that represents this attractiveness to the world. Yet Jesus is coming as, as a Messiah, right? Who's, who's very different. In fact, he's the upside down king. He's the inverse of this. And his vision, what he's seeking, what he's representing in the kingdom he's bringing is completely different than that of the world. Secondly, we're going to see that your view of glory determines your valuation, what you value, what you see as being valuable. Now, the time when Jesus is coming, he's going to refer to as the hour, the hour. Now, people keep coming up to Jesus and wanting certain things to happen, and he's saying, it's not the hour yet, right? The hour's not come. But now, what we're going to see is the hour is approaching. Verse 23, Jesus replied to them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now the hour is here. And we're going to see in in John 17 that the hour ultimately is going to arrive when he is in the the Garden of Gethsemane. And and the hour of his crucifixion is, is ultimately going to be here. But this is representing this time that's leading up to this hour. The Son of Man is going to be glorified. Now what, from a worldly perspective, would they expect the Son of Man being glorified? That he would be lifted up onto what? A throne. So that's the exaltation, the lifting up into a position of glory is, is a throne. And again, representing this world kingdom. And yet, Jesus' hour of glorification is not going to be that at all. It's, look at verse 24. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself, but if it dies, it produces much fruit. The raising up of Jesus is actually going to be his what? His death, his crucifixion, which is the ultimate demonstration of, of shame and humiliation and agony. It was intended. You were stripped naked. You were ripped to shreds. You were stapled to a crossbeam to suffocate in your own blood in front of people. And yet that ultimate agony, ultimate humiliation, because it's an upside-down kingdom, is going to be the moment of Jesus' glorification, his, his death. And yet, it will ultimately bring about glorification or the revealing of glory because it's going in his death. It's not just going to be a death, right? It's not full stop. It's going to bring about what for others? Life, right? That's the thing. It's not just a death. It's a death 
that's going to take place to bring about glory and life for others. D.A. Carson, in his commentary on John, says, like the seed whose death is the germination of life for a great crop. So Jesus' death generates a plentiful harvest. If you have a seed and you're holding that seed in your hand, it's just this small, tiny little thing. And if it stays in your hand, all it'll ever be is a seed. And yet, if that seed falls to the ground and gets planted in the ground, what's going to grow up is a crop, right? It's multiple stalks of wheat. And each of those stalks of wheat have what in them? Seeds and grains, right? So any of you from like an agricultural background, like farming or ranching or a couple people, right? my family has a lot of that in our background. And so you know this process, that, that one seed, when it's planted in the ground, produces a crop, these multiple stalks that each have, you know, a bunch, I, I should know the math on it, but a bunch of grain, whatever that is. And, and so this is what Jesus is saying. He's the first fruits. His death is going to bring about this great harvest of others coming to life. We read this in verse 32. As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate what kind of death he was about to die. What kind of death was he about to die? Well, he was, what's that? Right, he was going to be lifted up on a cross. And yet, that lifting up on the cross is going to do what to all people? Right? Draw them to himself. The cross is going to become a magnet. This demonstration of humiliation and agony and suffering is going to be used by God as a magnet that is going to draw all people to him. Now, the Jews, when he came into Jerusalem, were calling him the king of the Jews, was that the fullness of who he came to be? No. He was the king of the world, right? Of, of all people. That's the fullness of who he came to be. When John introduces Jesus as he is coming on the scene early in John, he's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John 3, for God so loved the, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus has come not simply to save the Jews politically, but to save the world, right, spiritually and eternally. This is the fullness of the king that Jesus is and the fullness of the kingdom of all people, that when he is lifted up, he will draw all people, all people from all nations to himself. And this is, for us, the demonstration of the glory of God. Why? The greatness of of God's love is particularly revealed in the cross. And, and Exodus, we looked at this a little bit last week, when, when God's identity, his glory is proclaimed through words, ultimately all that points to Jesus. And so the greatness of God's love is revealed in the cross. That God, it's not that he actually loved more in that way, it's that the greatness of his love was revealed through the cross, that he would go to this point to suffer an agonizing death of humiliation and die. And the way that that impacts you is, 
is not when you say, well, Jesus died for the sins of the world, but when it becomes personal, when you say, Jesus died for my sins, Jesus died to forgive me and to cleanse me of my sins. Like that's the love of God becomes something that's overwhelming when you realize that, that it's for you. That draws you in, right? And that's the case for, for so many people. But not only is it the revelation of the glory of God's love, but it's, as John 3 says, but it's also the revelation of the glory of God's grace, the greatness, the massiveness of his grace, right? That, that when you consider your sins, they can appear so big, right? And, and so we think about whatever sin it is in our life or sins that they seem so significant, they seem so weighty, right? So glorious. And yet when you stack them up against the cross, do your sins even compare to the greatness of the blood of Jesus? Is there more glory in any sin that anyone's ever done than the blood of Jesus to cleanse sin? Right? This is the great, it's small, like we have to realize the, the massiveness. What's glorious is God's grace because he clothes us in his righteousness and he cleanses us with his blood. He does both of those things. He, his blood cleanses us of all of our sin and his righteousness clothes us, covers us over so that we are righteous. He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. And so this is something that we realize. The glory is not in us or our sin or anything that we've done. The glory is in Jesus, his sufficiency to cover us and to cleanse us of all sin. Do we see that? That's glorious. We feel like our sins. We feel like these things are glorious and and they seem that way. And yet ultimately, the glory is in the cross and the greatness of the love of God and the grace of God in Jesus. So this, for those who get this, who are drawn in by this, who see the glory of the cross and of Jesus and what he did to cover us and to cleanse us, it affects the way we live. And this is what he says in verse 25. The one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world We'll keep it for eternal life. Now, when Jesus used the word hates, he uses this of anyone who wants to follow him. He says, if you want to follow me, you've got to hate your family. Does he actually mean that you've got to despise your family members? No, he doesn't, right? And that's important. Some of you kids are, you know, justifying how you feel about your siblings. That's not it. He's, it's a comparative hate. Right? That's always it. It's a comparative. It's in comparison with the love that you have for Jesus, the glory of Jesus. It's hate in comparison. And so he's saying the eternal life that Jesus offers you, the life not of a few decades in these bodies that are corrupted with sin and in this world that's broken. It's not, that's not where the glory is. And this is what C.S. Lewis's weight of glory sermon and looked at some of that on Easter. The glory is not in this life, in these bodies, in this world. The glory, he says, is in this eternal life to come. The hundreds and thousands and millions of years. And and Lewis says, you've never met a mortal. No one you've ever met is mortal, right? All of us are, are immortal. He says, civilizations are mortal, 
but they're like a gnat in comparison with the immortality of a human being, who we are. And so the glory, he's saying, is on the other side of the grave, right? And, and this is, affects how we see other people in our lives. He says we would die to ourselves like the seed in order to see a crop. And one of the most beautiful demonstrations of this, I think, is, and I've shared this before, Angie Colvin, who is a member here, we prayed for her. We anointed her with oil. We asked God to heal her. And he and God did it, and, and she she died, and it was so tragic, and there were so many questions, and yet there was a person, a friend of hers, that she had been sharing the gospel with and sharing the gospel with, and guess what? The day before we did her funeral here, that friend truly came to saving faith in Christ and was baptized. You think about that. Now, I'm not summarizing or simplifying it, but from an eternal perspective, Right? Her being saved and coming into eternal life with God compared to Angie not having those, those years of life is the, the weight of glory is in her friend billion years of eternity, right? Beyond. Does that make sense? So the question is, do we see the world this way? Right? Because the world will tell us no. And, and in very simple language. What the world wants you to believe is that this life in this body on this world is all that there is. Every message from every source will tell you that. And so you have to do what? Live it up, man. Right? YOLO. I don't know if people still say that or not. (laughs) Dating myself. You know, it's like, man, you got to soak it up. I don't have that California, but that's Sorry, not nothing against California. I love you guys. So this is where we're, our perspective has to shift. And, and so this leads to, again, this leads to, third and fourth, your, your, finally, your view of glory determines your validation. What voice, whose voice, whose opinion is most important to you? Like if you're totally honest, whose opinion is most important to you. Right? Whoever that is, is in a position of glory in your life. And what Jesus is going to say, so verse 26, he says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus is later. Whose, whose honor, whose glory is Jesus seeking? The Father's, right? That's what he lives for. He, he wants the Father's honor, the Father's glory. And nothing else matters in comparison, even his own life. He's, he's so focused on the, the honoring of the Father. And this is what he's calling us to. He's saying, don't live for the honor, the glory of people Right? Live for the glory of God. Live because one day you're going to stand before God. And that day is at the front of your mind. You're like, man, one day I'm going to stand before God. And, and I want to live so that he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, that's it. That's glory. And everything else, if we can keep that in our heads, like the opinions of people, it's not that they don't matter because we care about people, but, that, but it doesn't rule us. Right? It doesn't overtake us. The glory is there. The, the day I stand before God, like that's it. 
And this is how, this is what Jesus lives for. He's focused on. And so, and so here's where I want to land this. But we have a perception problem. We see things as glorious and weighty that aren't, and we don't see things as being glorious and weighty that are. And I want us to think about a lunar eclipse. How many of you all have seen a lunar eclipse? Right? Hopefully everybody at some point. There is a bizarre reality where the moon, is the moon anywhere close to the size of the sun? (laughs) Not even close. It's amazing when you start considering the size of stars and Anyway, it's not even close, like not even close, yet somehow because of our perception where we are on this little ball in space, the moon has the potential to block out the sun, right? So it appears that the moon is glorious and that it's bigger than the sun. Is that true? No, it's not. But this is this picture. There are moons in our life that are so small. If we could stand from the heavenly perspective and look, it would be like, man, that's a dust mite. And yet it appears so big that it can block out the sun. Like that's the nature of our condition right now. And, and so the problem is that will destroy us. Like there's so many There's so many issues because it blinds us to the glory of God. And this is the problem. So many people who reject Jesus, the scribes and the Pharisees, they reject Jesus because they care about the glory of people. They don't want to be thrown out of the synagogues. And this is going to come up. And so they're like, sorry, Jesus, can't follow you because I don't want to get kicked out here. It's like, man, that doesn't matter. Right? That's to see the glory of Jesus. And so there are these moons that feel so big. Man, the the things that we're worried about right now, right? The things that that we're we're filling our our mind with, those are moons, okay? And it's not, again, it's not that they don't matter. It's just that we think they're bigger than they are, especially in comparison with the glory of God. And so, so what Jesus invites us into is to see reality. The kingdom of God is a different reality. Fundamentally, Jesus comes to bring, he's the king, not just of the Jews, but of the whole world, and he comes to establish his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is a reality. It's a way of seeing reality. That's what he's inviting us into. And from the standpoint of the kingdom of God, Jesus says, you have nothing to worry about. And that's crazy. But he's saying, again, it's in comparison acknowledging the greatness of the glory of God. And so what we need is to be recalibrated because like Willard talks about, we're flying these jet engines and our calibrations are all messed up. And we're on our way. We think we're ascending. We're on our way in a nosedive into a crater, right? And this is happening, recurring. And so we have to consistently be brought back. We have to be recalibrated on our glory meter, and I think every Sunday, this is part of what we're doing, is being recalibrated to what is ultimately glorious, right? 
Because again, we, man, I do it this week, man, I've worried about stuff and I've been so upset about stuff and tempted in all these ways. My glory, it just gets off. And I, I need to know, man, this is what matters. Like this is what's ultimately glorious. Like my sin, again, in comparison with the grace of God, the grace of God is more glorious than all my sin. This problem that feels insurmountable compared to the power of God, right? Not even close. These realities, living for the glory of other people or the approval of other people, whatever it is, man, just not that it doesn't matter, but it's just, it's just not in comparison with the grace of God. So this is called faith, by the way. One day we will see by what? Sight. One day we'll see rightly from the heavenly perspective as things actually are. We will see it. But right now we live by faith. Does the amount of faith that we have matter? It does. Like I'm just saying, you read the New Testament, it really matters. Stuff happens and doesn't happen depending on faith. And again, I know you can go crazy on this stuff, but it really, if, if you consider the teachings of Jesus, it really does affect things, right? And so my hope, and, and man, I'm so thankful for people God's put in my life even recently that have called me to greater faith. And I'm seeking to grow in this, man. I really am. And I hope we will as a church to stir one another up to, to greater faith and to seeing the bigness of God, right? To getting those lunar eclipses out of the way. Hmm. And so this is the question. The band come up and we're going to close. But I want to just ask, like right now, just be ask the Spirit of God to show you what is the moon, if there is one in your life, right? So just what is the moon that may be blocking out the sun of God's glory? And just, again, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any unfaithful way in me. What's that? What is it this morning? Now, by faith, surrender that to God. God, you're bigger. I surrender this. And the ways Jesus recalibrates us is the Lord's Prayer. So I say the Lord's Prayer every day and sometimes a whole lot of times throughout the day. And my kids and I, when we're going to school. We sing the Lord's Prayer. There's a version of the Lord's Prayer called Slugs and Bugs. I love it. It's awesome. Check it out. Adult, kid, whoever. The Lord's Prayer calibrates us. And so what I want to invite us to do is if you would just stand, and we're going we're to move in this time of response. Let these, what Jesus gives us is, is a glory calibration. <laughs> A glory calibration through the Lord's Prayer. And it reminds us of what's true. Okay? And so I'm going to invite you, just like we do at the beginning, just to, just to say this with me and let these words 
speak truth into your hearts. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Who gives us our daily bread? Who gives us our daily bread? Who provides everything that we have? Whose, think about this for a second, whose is everything that we have? So who are we in this equation? The Bible gives us a term. It's called stewards. We're stewards. And whose kingdom are we to steward? Whatever it is that we have for God's, right? That's it. That's it. As we do, as we steward it, guess what God does? He blesses and provides because he wants the kingdom to grow and he wants the glory of Jesus to grow. He wants Jesus to be lifted up, right? And so this is this, this invitation to us and, and we're going to so respond in song. And my prayer is that this worship time just recalibrates us and we see the bigness of Jesus and the glory of God in the face of Jesus. But maybe there's, a, there's something in your life, whatever it is, again, worry or concern or health issue, whatever it is, we believe that, that God invites us to pray and that there actually is a difference. And so we have folks in our prayer room we would invite you to go to our prayer room if there's anything you need to talk about or even about trusting Jesus or just just some issue that's going on. We would invite you to respond in our prayer room as we sing. Father, we thank you that you are the God who is glorious. You are the Son. We believe that. Forgive us where we fail to see reality according to your glory. May those things drop away. May they fall away that we're trusting in other than you. Thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all of our sin and it covers us in his righteousness so that we can enter your presence boldly as children. Lord, would your spirit stir and move even in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.